I've decided political campaigns are a lot like good whiskey. It burns at first, no matter what, but after a while, you forget all of that. You don't even notice it. You just focus on the really good things, like the color and the smell and the flavors and the and the buzz you get after you drink too much. Maybe I'm drinking, maybe I'm drinking too much whiskey, but I'll tell you what, this election cycle sometimes makes me want to drink. This is Mark K Saves the Republic. Thanks so much for being here. First of all, yesterday couple things happened yesterday first it was my birthday and i know uh, you know a lot of people so many people i think more so than ever had reached out on my multiple social media platforms and during the show and we got tons of calls and open mic messages i got gifts here in the studio i got not one but two didgeridoos if you don't know what a didgeridoo is it's that australian uh instrument it looks like a big long walking stick and it just goes and i love both of them very much and i was really it was. It's almost more fun to get two didgeridoos on the same day than it is to get one didgeridoo on the same day. In fact, I can tell you that it is more fun uh, to get two. You two two didgeridoos are better are better than one. Uh, but also yesterday we discussed at length the John Fetterman Doctor Oz debate in Pennsylvania, which was a turning point not just in that election, but I believe I firmly believe this. I believe that the Pennsylvania debate yet the other day with John Fetterman and Doctor Oz is a turning point in American history. And I think that it shed light on a lot of things. First of all, people called in yesterday and just destroyed me for making fun of a guy that had a stroke. People just, they called in and they were just lambasting me on my birthday for poking fun at John Fetterman, the way he couldn't formulate a thought, the things he said, how inarticulate he was because this guy had suffered a stroke earlier this year. Also, that's a lie. <laughs> Not one person complained about me making fun of John Fetterman because I wasn't making fun of John Fetterman. Well, all I was doing was bringing to light the fact that this guy can't do the job that he wants to apply for. This job, this guy can't do the job that he wants to do or that the Democrats really want him to do. Because let's be honest, the Democrats work in tandem as a party and they don't care about the individual players. They're not out there going, you know, this guy would be really good. They're like, OK, we need this seat. They see the election as an open seat in Pennsylvania that if they can win, will give them more control or help them retain control of the Senate because they know they're losing the House of Representatives. They don't see it as an opportunity to find somebody who can help the people of Pennsylvania. They don't see it as an opportunity for somebody to go in there and fight for Pennsylvanians, Pennsylvanians who have been part of a corrupt system for decades, Pennsylvanians who have a crime problem and an immigration problem and Man, don't they? They've sure got some election issues up there in Pennsylvania, don't you? Don't they? Isn't that what we learned over the last uh, election? And instead of that, the Democrats go, look, Republican Pat Toomey is retiring. We can pick up that seat in what a lot of people consider to be a very blue state. Lots of union activity in that state. State voted for, quote unquote, Biden voted for, quote unquote, Barack Obama slipped away from them in 2016 when they weren't looking and it went to Donald Trump, not Hillary Clinton. But uh, they need to make sure that it's it's back and they want that Senate seat at all costs. And if it means putting up some angry, vindictive, uh, hoodie wearing socialist who suffered a stroke and can't doesn't even know what time of day it is, let alone what he's saying half the time, uh, can't really argue an agenda because it takes him. You, you get 30 seconds in this debate for rebuttal and 15 of those seconds he was reading off of the teleprompter leaving him only 15 seconds to try to formulate a thought, which he couldn't do on multiple occasions. And that is the Democrats' fault. It's not my fault. I'm not the one that put him up and said, this guy is the one that should represent Pennsylvania in the Senate. 
this guy is the one that should be making decisions that affect all Americans. And think about that. There are 330 billion people, sorry, 330 million people in the United States of America, 330 million people in this country. Okay. There are 100 people in the Senate, only 100 people. That is a ridiculously small fraction. That is, I mean, that's not even, I mean, let me do the, let me, Hey Siri, what is 100 divided by 330 million? She's good at math. She'll figure this. By 330 million is approximately 3.0303 times 10 to the negative seventh power. That is 0.0000003% of the population speaking for or making laws or making, uh, you know, putting forth forward an agenda that affects the other 329 million, 200 or 999,000. And that's it. Uh, I mean, so you've got to make sure that these are the right people. And John Fetterman ain't the right people. The Democrats know it. The Republicans know it. Yet the Democrats don't care. They don't care about what happens. They just care about the power. They uh, they vote as a block. They go in there together. They 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 know that if they can get a vote, it'll be part of the majority because that's what they do. And it has nothing to do with the people of Pennsylvania. That's why these are so exciting. And that's why nobody complained. That's why nobody complained and said, how can you make fun of John Fetterman this way? What people are doing is they're complaining and saying, how can the Democrats actually put this guy up there? It's the same thing with Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden on a smaller scale. And the, the fact that the Democrats are doing this twice, so in such close proximity, they did it with Joe Biden in 2020. They're doing it with John Fetterman in 2022, finding somebody who's inept, uh, you know, can't comprehend things, had, doesn't have the mental or physical capacity to do the job is like, you know, stashed away in a bunker, comes out for debates, people are holding their breath, what the hell is he going to say? They're making a mockery out of not only the political system in the United States of America, but also in these individual election cycles. And the bad news for them is that they it didn't work this time. Somehow they got Biden through, but this is this John Fetterman thing was a collapse. It was horrible. Nobody is nobody is making fun of the people making fun of John Fetterman. Everybody is questioning what the Democrats are thinking. How can these people, how can this woman, his wife too, she, man, you want to talk about you. I've never met the lady. I've seen her speak. I've seen her on the, I've seen her on the Instagram. I've seen her on the interviews. I've seen her talk to reporters and interact. How can this woman stand by John Fetterman's side and aid and abet the, the, I guess you would say the public, the public just dismantling of this man's life. That's what it looks like to me. Whenever he goes out there, whenever he speaks, whenever he tries to put together a thought, whenever he tells people what he thinks, whenever he says, uh, fracking, I don't like fracking, I don't support fracking, I stand here and I don't support fracking, when we clearly see the statements where he supports fracking, and we know, we see that look in his eye, he's lost. How can a woman who vowed to stand by him in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, till death do you part, be there, be a not a caretaker for this guy, but be one of the, one of the people that's perpetrating this horrible fraud? on the United States of America and using her husband as a pawn. It's really, it's really, if my wife, like if I ever had a stroke and I couldn't speak and I was like, you know, standing there mumbling and telepromptering and drooling, I would hope that my wife would be like, turn off the cameras, turn off the microphones. He's coming home. And maybe in a year, maybe in two years when he's better, when he's rehabilitated, when he's got all his faculties back, maybe then we'll revisit it because there's going to be another election. And well, I think in Pennsylvania, it's four Maybe two years, maybe two years. Uh, and then, you know, six years down the road, he can challenge Dr. Oz again if he really thinks that's his 
his lot in life. Um, but that's the bad news. The good news is that this election in Pennsylvania also shed a lot of light on what's going on with Dr. Oz and the people that back to the whiskey analogy, the people that used to think that Dr. Oz was bad. And I was one of them. I mean, not bad, but not the best, you know, like if I, I'm a conservative, I like to be, I'm a constitutional conservative. I'm about as conservative as they come. I'm like, look, you keep your government out of my life. If we need the government, it's probably just for national security or, you know, maybe to send some people to space, whatever. Uh, but most, for the most part, I want you out of my life. I don't want to pay the taxes. I don't want you deciding, you know, on a federal level, what's good for me here in Florida or elsewhere. Uh, so I'm really, and if the constitution says it, it, we get it. And you know, the constitution says I can have guns and I can speak my mind. Great. That's what I want. And nobody, nobody shall infringe on that. That's my take. And there's a lot of people like me. There's a lot of people out there that believe something similarly. Uh, now with Dr. Oz, for example, I didn't believe that he was the kind of representative for conservatism that I thought this was all based on, you know, stuff he'd said in his past, said stuff he'd said on his show, stuff he'd said about Bernie Sanders and whatnot. And, you know, I, and, and I wasn't 100% into Dr. Oz. After this debate, I was a little more, I'm not gonna say I was into him, like I'm not running out and buying a Dr. Oz 2024 t-shirt or anything like that. But I will say this, I am less concerned than I was before. And I think that a lot of people, uh, I think that a lot of people in Pennsylvania feel the same way. The Democrats, we know we heard from them yesterday. They're all about it, man. They're all like, well, Fetterman can't do the job and Dr. Oz ain't half bad. So he's probably going to get my vote. Um, and that's why I think Pennsylvania is, is not much of a concern anymore. In Georgia, here's what's happening. Georgia is more the whiskey analogy that I started this podcast with, with which I should probably get back to, seeing as how it's been like 10 minutes <laughs> of me. In Georgia, you got the whiskey election. Here's what happens. This election is so bad from the get-go. They've been accusing Herschel Walker of terrible, horrible things, gun violence, beating people up, abortion. There's some other woman who's coming out and it's an abortion again. Every time you would like uh, you know, go online or watch one of the news stories or one of the attack ads, which Raphael Warnock's attack ads are just the worst, man. How this guy can claim to be a pastor and then approve all these messages that he's putting out there about how horrible a person Herschel Walker is. Just it's, I don't, I don't get it. It just, they don't vibe, you know, like it doesn't vibe the, the message that, that pastor Warnock is, uh, you know, a man of God, yet he's going to spread all this filth on television about Herschel Walker. It just doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I guess we have different definitions of what a man of God is. Um, anyway, so it, it tastes like when you take a sip of it, it's like when you first drink whiskey, it's harsh, it burns. And the election, the campaign in Georgia when you first take a sip of that whiskey or when you first experience it, it burns. You're like, oh, that's awful. Oh, that's terrible. Oh my gosh, that's the worst. But after a while, just like when you drink whiskey, the burn goes away. You get used to it. You see, and this is for me now, every political campaign, the burn goes away and you, and you, and you ignore it. And now that you've kind of gotten used to the, the feeling, the, the, the sensation, that warmth, you start to focus on other things. You know, the first taste of whiskey you ever have in your life, you it's like turpentine. You don't appreciate the color of the whiskey. You don't appreciate the subtle caramel flavors of the whiskey, the, the honey uh, that could be in there. You don't, uh, you know, you don't, you don't appreciate the, the way it feels or the smoothness. Um, and that takes a while and you have to ignore the burn. You have to ignore that taste. You have to get used to that. Once you do, then you really start seeing the good things. 
And in, in Georgia, we're starting to see a lot. The burn is still like every time you take a sip, every time you turn on the news, there's a burn. But more and more, you start to see some really good things like the people of Georgia focusing on the issues, focusing on the people, realizing that the Democrats are doing to Herschel Walker or attempting to do to Herschel Walker exactly what they did to my good friend Herman Cain. They're trying to do to Herschel Walker exactly what they've done to so many Republican candidates, and that is try to guilt them or lie about them or ridicule them out of an election. But the people in Georgia are starting to see the the beautiful color of the whiskey. They're starting to see the taste the flavors and smell the aromas, and they're ignoring all the burn that's coming from the Warnock campaign. And I really think that's going to be another uh, another successful pickup for for the Republican Party. Um, and again, and the same is true with Doctor Oz. They're starting now that. Now that the now that the debate is over and the burn has been gone, they're starting to see. You know what? It looks like it looks like Dr. Oz is actually more conservative than we thought. It looks like Dr. Oz is, uh, you know, doing a pretty good job to protect states' rights to decide what they should do with their own laws. Dr. Oz has some good conservative flavors, some rich aromas, and uh, it, you know the burn the burn is starting to go. Um, it's starting to go away, and that's kind of, that's my whiskey analogy for uh, politics and political campaigns. Now I really want whiskey, but it's like nine o'clock in the morning. So I'll wait. Anyway, listen, thanks so much uh, for everything. If you haven't yet subscribed to uh, the Catriot Network, if you're not a member of our Catriot Network yet, it's very easy to do. And you get a copy of the Catriot Manifesto when you do it. It's the seven ways to uh, beat the lunatic left and have fun doing it. Because our our motto here at Catriot HQ is save the republic and have fun doing it. And the Catriot Manifesto is your seven-step guide to do exactly that, and it's free. And all you have to do is uh, join our Catriot Network. Also, fun fact, the Catriot Network is the best way to stay in touch with us because you never know, well, you never know in this day and age, in this political climate, when YouTube's gonna shut us down for good or Facebook's gonna go away or even this podcast platform. Look what's happening with Kanye West, man. My bank may shut me down and I may not be able to get in touch with you uh, except via the Catriot Network. So make sure we have your email address and your telephone number. And that way we will, no matter what happens to us, we will, we will always be able to stay in touch with each other, find each other, and together continue to fight to save the Republic.